Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform. And follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 143rd episode of the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. I'm your host, Aiden, today. It's a small crew. We just got Jared. We got Bart. Only the essentials, right? Only the people in matter. <laughs> and per usual, we're going to start out with some news we missed, starting with some NFL news. We have Tom Brady's back after his apparently pre-approved, I think it was an 11-day PTO that is still a little bit murky. Mm. Masked Singer season 15, <laughs> whatever season we're on, here we come. Exactly. A wild reveal. Um, this, is, this is the precursor to him sitting out the Germany game. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get your bets in on yeah, Tom Brady missing the Germany game. Moving on to some other Brady-related news. There is leaked info this week that Dana White, back a couple years ago, was apparently trying to broker a deal to get Tom Brady and Gronk to the Raiders. It obviously fell through, but apparently Gronk confirmed it, correct? Yeah, apparently he confirmed it in the interview, yeah. Wild stuff. And David Carr was apparently, or I guess Tom Brady referred to some bleep something uh, when he was talking about, like, they're going to stick with that bleep. Uh, when he was talking about some team in the past, when he was uh, during his free agency, oh, and now everyone thinks that Bleeper, um, who they're sticking with, was David Carr and the Raiders sticking with Carr, because apparently I guess Gruden at the time did not go forward with it. Which everybody's like, mm-hmm. oh, this just shows how dumb John Gruden was or whatever. And I was like, no, this shows that it was super smart for Tom Brady not to get involved with the freaking yes. Raiders organization. Honestly, though, oh, dodged a bullet there. Yeah. But anytime Dana White is involved, nothing good is gonna follow anyways, so <laughs> just Everything he touches is gold, to dude. The UFC yeah, fight that's, that's The UFC fair. fight was pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly gets attention, that is for he sure. De- he definitely gets attention. Yeah. He gets what he wants. He's good at that, yeah. <laughs> and our uh final NFL news for the week and most important news is that apparently, according to Stephen Jones, correct? Mm-hmm. Dak is having his best camp ever. Oh yeah. So watch out everybody. Look, last last season it was disrupted with that shoulder thing that it, Hard Knocks was there too. Like there was a lot of distractions. This season no distractions. Just developing chemistry with CD Lamb and Zeke and Tony <laughs> Pollard. They're they're due for a good year this year. Honestly, we will see any like bets being made preseason about the Cowboys. Those have worked yeah. out pretty well for you in the past. They, year, so I, they have. I think they could still win the division. I don't think they're going to be that good, though. Um, like, they're not going to be, like, a legitimate contender this year just because they lost a lot of talent. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, moving on to some college football. Also very serious news. We have that Bijan <laughs> Robinson, the Texas running back, released a new Dijon Mustard, correct? Um, actually, I don't know if it's if it's Dijon flavored mustard. Yeah, it is. Yep, a gourmet yeah, Dijon yeah, okay. mustard. There you go. Yeah, okay. from that would make more sense because the name's Bijan. 
This the the bio though is so funny. We're gonna give them some free advertising real quick. <laughs> it was the mustard story began back on January thirtieth, two thousand two, when Bajan Robinson was born in a hospital by a doctor. Two things occurred to Bajan instantly upon being born. One that the world is bright and lights can hurt your eyes when you've never seen them before. And two, that his purpose in the world this world would be to score touchdowns. And score touchdowns Bajan did. And it talks about like his uh scoring his touchdowns on the football field um and then he's dead and then it's like so Bijan did what everyone uh, expected Bijan to do create his own gourmet Dijon mustard and call it Bijan Mustardson <laughs> I don't know it's just super I feel like it's just super funny oh my god <laughs> no this this last part too in August of 2022, right before the football season purely by happenstance Bijan Mustardson hit shelves and the rest is history but also the future mostly the future <laughs> oh my gosh this is so funny i'm sold yeah i'm yeah. sold <laughs> is there a price on it is this like super uh, expensive oh good question dijon? No, i don't know what dijon mustard runs at these days but that seems 795 reasonable. for one mustard it's a how big is it yeah i have genuinely no idea where that stacks honestly up in this economy mustard. that sounds like a pretty good price for <laughs> dijon mustard yeah that seems pretty good nine ounces that's not bad okay we should definitely have a segment where we taste test it or Actually, blind yeah, taste test that idea. and a couple other major Dijon mustard brands. Ranking see if he's for real. Yeah. Athlete endorsed <laughs> foods all the time. Exactly. <laughs> That's a great idea. I might freaking get some. I of couldn't this. tell you any other ones off the top of my head, but yeah. Yeah, I couldn't either. <laughs> and closing out our news we missed, we got some NBA news. Kevin Durant is officially staying with the Nets. You heard it here first. So. It would, it would appear as if they did not find a sufficient trade deal to take because obviously their asking price was pretty ridiculous. So Yeah. Or they didn't really look and they yeah. just were trying to hold out. Yeah. I, I do not really buy that Durant is happy with this, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you never know. I, I saw, well, I think it was a tweet maybe that was like he, he, he get, couldn't get traded and he couldn't even get Nash fired. So it's like, it, it, like, how does a superstar like Durant have so little sway? <laughs> exactly. Is he even a superstar? Yeah. He can't get a coach fired or get himself out of <laughs> somewhere. Tough luck. Oh, God. Yeah, tough luck. I'm sure that's going to be not awkward at all, him and Nash this year. No. Nope. Yeah, exactly. But Okay, moving into our first segment of the week. It's preseason. Training camp is wrapping up. We got some QB competitions that we're about to make some picks on. We're going to say, given some team, who's going to be starting week one, and then who we think will be starting by the middle of the season. So week eight or nine, who's going to be starting for a couple different teams. So starting out with Bart, the Seahawks, who you Mm. got starting? I'm going to go and say it's going to be Geno starting and who starts in the middle of the season to me is honestly a coin flip. I think I think Gino is going to start because, like, Lock. I mean, they're, he and Drew Lock are both bad, but Drew Lock is just worse. Uh, Drew Lock did look really good in a game against the Steelers, but then Gino looked solid too. I think one big factor here is the fact that Lock just missed some time to COVID, and I think I think Pete Carroll is going to be more comfortable staying with Gino just because he's mm-hmm. like he's more experienced. He obviously he played with the Seahawks last year, so he's also more comfortable in the offense. And then this offseason, he's just literally gotten more reps because Lock missed. I think it was. 
like over a week to COVID, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. I think they're both going to be bad, and that's why I think it'll start <laughs> with Gino, but it's very likely Locke will be starting midseason if the Seahawks are indeed like winless, like we were talking about a couple of episodes back. Like I could see Pete Carroll yeah. saying, okay, screw it, let's try, let's try somebody new. But I think Gino will get the nod to start with at least. Aiden, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going with Jimmy G. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm I actually I'm going, with Gino for, <laughs> I'm going with Gino for week one. I agree. Gino is the safer bet for sure. When you look at the two, Drew Locke provides like big plays or at least more big plays, but he turns the ball over a bit more. Gino doesn't really provide any exciting, anything exciting. And he, he also turns the ball over, uh, but a little less, less so than, than Locke. And it seems like the Seahawks are really leaning towards him, if only for the fact that he's gotten more reps. And I think, though, that by the midseason, by the time the Seahawks are 2-6 and six or something like that, yeah. I think Drew Locke will have taken over, at least be given a shot, because he is more exciting, and so why not just try it to some degree? Um, and I really don't expect Geno Smith to thrive uh, against the Bears on Thursday. Their last preseason game, he led four three-and-out drives, presided over a ton of false start penalties, the Seahawks converted one of their first 11 third downs. And then Pete Carroll said he did okay, which was very <laughs> generous. Uh, but anyway, I think the Seahawks offense will be too anemic um, not to force a change at some point. Because you do have DK Metcalf. You do have Tyler Lockett, who's aging, but still good. So I feel like Drew Locke takes advantage of that a little bit more. And so they're going to feel the pressure to actually start him come midseason. Whether it works out for a while or not, whether he kind of takes the job or really throws it away during his one or two game trial i don't know uh, but i think they will at least try him out yeah yeah that, that was another thing i forgot to mention is like gino hasn't looked super great in the pre- preseason but like he's suffering through a lot of drops in the offensive line mm-hmm. was like you mentioned with the false starts so it's kind of like it's really hard to gauge who's actually better anyway yeah which makes it tough is so, he a bad qb it, or is the team bad both probably, but probably <laughs> yeah. Yeah, can't can't separate them. Yeah. Um, but anyways, moving on to a slightly better team, the Steelers. Jared, who you got? I think week one it is going to be Mitch Trubisky, but on a really short leash because um, Kenny Pickett is having probably the best preseason of the rookie quarterbacks. He was also drafted the highest, so that like already yeah. one signals an intention that the Steelers do want to start him sooner rather than later. And there's going to be more pressure. And I think this does contribute at least a little bit to maybe owners, coaches, and GMs um, on like a quarterback situation with a rookie. There's going to be a lot of pressure from the fans as well to see him, especially since he's already been pretty good. And we know Trubisky is going to be a a bridge quarterback. Like they're not, he's not the long-term option there, but the complication is that the Steelers definitely have aspirations of being a playoff team. So I feel like that kind of complicates it where if they're if Mitch Trubisky is playing well enough and they're winning games, I don't know if they're going to – that would be the, the scenario where I think Kenny Pickett doesn't get in midseason. Um, but I do think midseason Kenny Pickett is going to be the starter by midseason. It could be like a Lamar Jackson kind of situation where maybe injuries kind of open up a spot for him to play in his rookie year. And Lamar, I think, started six or seven games his rookie season, I want to say. Yeah. It could end up being something like that. Or, you know, if Mitch Trubisky does really well, it'll be a Patrick Mahomes situation where he gets, like, yeah. a week 17, week 18 start or something like that. But I would bet that he's going to be – Kenny Pickett will be the midseason starter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bart, what do you think? 
I would say at the latest, Pickett is the midseason starter. <laughs> I am all aboard the Pickett train. Uh, okay. Largely because of what, what Jared just said, that he looks really good in the preseason. I mean, he's he's making the pre-snap reads. He's throwing good balls. Like he's he's got like good yeah. pocket presence. All that good stuff for a rookie quarterback. It looks pretty impressive. And like obviously, it's preseason. Aiden described a couple episodes ago why preseason doesn't matter uh, too much. But at the same time, yeah, I, I I just I'm so low on Mitch Trubisky. If I'm the Steelers, like you said, Jared, you took him so high. Just start him then. If, if, if like he's looked good enough, like he's capable of starting. The one thing that I saw that is an argument against doing this is that the Steelers' offensive line is apparently looking like it's going to be so bad that it might mm-hmm. actually be detrimental to Kenny Pickett and his health and his development to start him right away. Like it would be throwing a quarterback into the fire and then saying, "Yeah, we're okay with you getting slaughtered." Yeah. Um, and so then some people are saying, okay, well, maybe Trubisky should start so that he can kind of be like the, the lamb for slaughter <laughs> and save yeah. Pickett. And I think that's funny. <laughs> oh, but God. personally, I'm, I'm all aboard the Pickett train. I'd be happy to see him start, and I definitely agree with you, Jared, that if he doesn't start, he'll be starting by midseason because, um, yeah, I mean, they look like they want him to play, and he looks like he's capable of doing it. So, hmm. yeah. Kenny providing hope for small hands people everywhere. <laughs> We're really happy for him. <laughs> Following the steps of Joe Burrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, going on to the Falcons, I'm up first. I, I think it's hard to see the Falcons naming Desmond Ritter the starter from day one. That seems pretty far-fetched. Largely likely to not put too much pressure on him. And I feel like there's no QB in this draft who was going to be the starter from day one. Just no one was hyped enough to kind of deserve that to start with. Um, but... So I, th- I think it will be Mariota's start. With that said, it does seem like Ritter will get a crack at some point. I think this is kind of similar to the Seahawks situation, in which I do expect to see a QB change. Mariota's fine. That's the the difference here, I guess, is that I, I have more confidence in Mariota than, say, a Geno Smith. Um, but he's not going to blow the world away. And he also has a history of injuries. So I feel like it's very possible that either because of injuries or because of the fact that the Falcons are just going to be meh and they might as well try out Desmond Ritter that he'll get his shot at some point. Um, and Ritter is like a more mature NFL-ready QB than a lot of the other QBs in the class. So I don't think it's a stretch either to bring him out during his rookie year. So the Falcons, I feel like, can't help but try out their core of Ritter and Kyle Pitts and Drake London at some point if they get the chance, especially if it's kind of a throwaway season. Mm. But Jared, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think I feel even more confident that Desmond Ritter is going to start. I'm going to say like week six, he'll be the starter mm. because Marcus Mariota has so many injuries. Like he's never played. He's never played every game in a season. Like mm. second season, he fractured his, his fibula and his calf. The last two seasons with the Raiders, he had both stints, uh, both seasons, he had a stint on the injured reserve mm. and he started zero games in that span too. <laughs> he hasn't started a game in three years. <laughs> And the last time he did start, he had six starts with the Titans. He was uh, two and four. So, like, that's a lot to overcome. And I, I do like Mariota. Like, he's a former Heisman winner, yeah. Oregon guy. Pac-12. But, like, all of that. <laughs> yeah, Pac-12 guy. <laughs> Pac-10 at this point, I guess. Um, <laughs> with all that over to overcome, and like you said, it's probably going to be a throwaway season. You might as well just put Desmond Ritter out there and let him get experience with the guys you mentioned. You know what I mean? Right. So Why not? Yeah. yeah. Okay, moving on to one that seems a bit cut and dry. I'm starting on this one. The Panthers, who's going to be starting week one? It's easy. It's Baker. 
he's looked better than Sam Darnold in camp, apparently, which is shocking. <laughs> really shocked by this news. And apparently had haters coming into camp. Robbie Anderson, for one, you know, the Panthers, I think, number one receiver, was not a fan of them trying to go after Baker, but he's already said that he's been convinced otherwise. Uh, and I, I think the only threat to Baker was ever really Matt Corral. And maybe I'm just too low on <laughs> Sam Darnold. Uh, but Matt Corral at least provides like an, an unknown quantity that maybe they would try out if they were, if it really was turned into be uh, a, a trash year for the Panthers, which I don't think it will be. But if, if it did turn out to be a really bad year, I could see them trying out a rookie QB just because. And he's out for the season now. So I don't understand, even if Baker's underperforming, they know Darnold at this point. He's a known quantity. I think it's going to take a lot for him to end up getting a start this year. Though, again, injuries could be a factor, so we'll see. But I think it's Baker all the way for the Panthers. Bart, what do you think? I mean, you, you basically <laughs> summed it all up for me. I don't have too much to add. Like they, If you look at their preseason games... <laughs> Both of them we played in the first game. Baker threw seven passes. Darnold threw three. And already Matt Rule feels comfortable declaring Baker as the week one starter against the Browns. Uh, so, I mean, like, you, yeah, it's, it's what everybody was saying all offseason. Like, they didn't sign Baker to be a clip, clipboard holder. They want him to be the starter. So, yeah, I think Baker is the, season, the starter now, and he's the starter in midseason, barring an injury. Like, you mentioned yeah. Matt Corral. Um, but like PJ Walker is really the only other significant threat, if you mm-hmm. can even call him significant. And he's he like his numbers don't indicate that he's going to be relevant at all. <laughs> so sorry, yeah. Sam. Sorry, PJ. But I think Baker's got the whole starting job locked down, unless he gets hey. something you know funky going on with his shoulder like he did last year. But yeah, yeah. 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 Excited and for the week one game, right? I know that's that's a great the Browns. Yeah. And Matt wow. Rule needs to win this season, so I don't think he was ever yep. going to do Corral, but. Yep. Maybe as a last a Hail point. Mary a at the end of the year. but Okay, our last team up. We got the Titans. Jared, you're starting us out. I'm breaking my trend, and I'm saying week one's going to be Ryan Tannehill. Midseason's going to be Ryan Tannehill. I, I think it's kind of a similar situation to the Steelers where the um, the Titans have playoff aspirations, and they went to an AFC championship game with Ryan Tannehill. So, like, maybe maybe he's not good enough to win a Super Bowl. But there's a lot of similarities to the Jimmy G 49ers Trey Lance situation where maybe they bring in Malik Willis in like certain situations kind of as a gadget guy. But I think if you're if you're like trying to win games and Malik Willis is still like a pretty raw athletic kind of prospect, um, kind of like Lamar Jackson was too, um, I think you got to go with Ryan Tannehill. Maybe injuries might open the door for Malik, Malik Willis, yeah. but... I think it's going to be Tannehill throughout the season, and then we'll see what Malik Willis has looked really good in the preseason too. Or he's shown like some good flashes, mm-hmm. um, but he was only a third round pick, so there's not that mu- mm-hmm. as much pressure as there is with to play Kenny Pickett um, in mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh situation. So, or even Trey Lance for for that matter. So, yeah. I see it as Tannehill's job throughout the entire season. I agree with you, Jared. I almost without a doubt have <clears throat> Tannehill as the number one throughout the season. Willis, yes, as he definitely has had some like flashes during the preseason that have looked really good. But there have also been times where he looked like a, a rookie and he looked inconsistent. Apparently after his first game, Mike Vrabel benched him because he was unhappy he didn't stay in the pocket to pass enough. Which seems a little 
rude. I mean, that's not really Willis's brand of football per se. But then he did stay in the pocket in game two and was seven for 17 for 80 yards and a touchdown. So solid of sorts, but definitely does not seem NFL ready now or probably during this season. And the Titans will probably be in postseason contention. So unless they really flop, there doesn't seem to be much incentive, as you were kind of saying, Jared, for them to try out Willis. Yeah. They're, yeah, I'm just curious to see how their offense does with losing yeah. AJ and Julio, right? They're, they're both gone. Yeah. So yeah. They, that might be a, a step back. but yeah. That's pretty big. And also Derrick Henry, one of these years, right. you know, running back shelf life, it's going to run out. Who knows what year, but we'll see. Okay, we're now going to go into some college football. So the AP poll was released, I think, last week. We're going to go through some teams, and we're going to decide whether they are, are underrated or overrated by the AP poll. We're going to start out with Clemson. They're ranked at number four. Bart, to start with you, overrated or underrated? I think it's a, it's a clear overrate in my mind. It's, uh, it's, yeah. it's name recognition. Uh, I, like I, I understand it, but I don't. I, I, I can see why people might think that they will end in the top four, but I don't think it's valid yet to put them at four because they need to prove it. It's true that last year their defense was excellent. Like their offense was really bad. Their defense was excellent last year, and they still ended ten and three, right? So basically, on the strength of their defense, and they're returning a lot of their defensive guys. So that's all all mm-hmm. good and well. But like offensively, their quarterback is still DJ the same guy who threw mm-hmm. fewer touchdowns last year than interceptions. Their offense was just anemic last year. And so I, I'm kind of of the mind that, like, yeah, Clemson always has the talent, but I need to see them play differently this year before I mm-hmm. you know, anoint them as a playoff contender. Um, and they're, on top of that, they're also losing both of their coordinators. Or I guess they replaced yeah. both of their coordinators. And that's not just, like, you know, that's not a super casual thing to just go and, mm-hmm. you know, work your, work your way around. So, yeah, I, I think – I could easily see them ending in the playoff, but I don't like putting them at four quite yet just because it seems like, ah, it's Clemson. They're always so good. Let's put them (laughs) up top. No, let's wait a little bit. But yeah, Jared, what do you think? I'm going to say underrated, actually. Uh, Just just by like one spot, like not like like I'm saying they should be number one necessarily. But when you look at like, like you said, their defense is still going to be really good and they're going to have enough talent where I think, yes, Brent Venables was an excellent defensive coordinator, but I think they'll be able to replace that just for the just by the fact that they have that much talent. Two, they play in the ACC, so they're probably going to run that conference again this year, I would think. And then three on the quarterback situation: if DJ struggles, they have a five-star prospect waiting in the waiting in the wings. And you know, it could be like a Kelly Bryant, Trevor Lawrence situation where Kelly Bryant kind of started the first part of that year, and then they were like, okay, it's got to be Trevor Lawrence's job. And I think Dabo kind of always is like the guy that returns is like the default starter. That's what he's kind of been known for. Um, and I think, you know, that could change this season. Um, or I, we could see a quarterback change midseason, I think. And also when you look at, in terms of like the talent they're getting in, like if you looked at the year, the recruiting years, like leading up to their first championship in 2016, their classes were like 10th and 14th. Um, but this in the 2021 and 2020, they were third and fifth. So they're getting even better players now. So I, I feel like they're going to be pretty good, probably. I would think. I guess we will see. I just yeah. I just don't <laughs> want to believe that they're so lucky that they can just replace DJ with a five star quarterback and pick it right back up. 
I don't. I, <laughs> DJ was a five-star quarterback. Right? I know. That's what's so annoying. Yeah. Stop getting so many good recruits. Okay. Anyway, maybe sorry. DJ will will turn the corner this year. We'll see. Yeah, we'll beat him. Notre Dame will beat him this year still. But. Yeah. No, DJ didn't he have that wild game against Notre Dame right. years yeah. ago, and yeah. everyone was like, "Oh my God, this guy's gonna be you know the next Trevor Lawrence," and hasn't panned out, but he might yeah. still have it out for Notre Dame. So we'll <laughs> it was see. a sophomore slump. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Happens to everybody. Okay, going on, we have Texas A&M at number six. I'm going to start us out. I actually think they're only slightly overrated. I've heard a lot of people mad about this on the whole. I think they're barely overrated just because I feel like the SEC turns out to be pretty random from season to season besides Bama and oftentimes Georgia. You play a lot of close games against a lot of good teams, so I would not be surprised at all if A&M turns out to be the second best SEC team this year or the third best SEC team this year. I wouldn't be surprised also if that turns out to be Arkansas or Tennessee, but I don't. I think Georgia is potentially overrated anyways above them because they've lost a ton of people, even though Georgia will always be good, but they've lost, what, like I think 15 guys to the draft last year? Something ridiculous. I believe that. Which will be hard to replace. So I'd not be surprised if AM turns out to be the team that takes that spot, at least this year, though probably behind Bama. Um, I understand the frustration with AM because they always have a ton of conversation around them and never actually convert. But the ceiling is pretty tantalizing given their top recruiting class last year, or I think, yeah, for 2022, and the fact that they beat Bama. And of their losses, a lot of them were close ones to good teams. So. I would not be surprised if AM ends up in the playoffs at all. Jared, your thoughts? I'd be surprised if they made it into the playoffs. <laughs> like just just because they play in the SEC West and it's yeah. super tough. And I mean, I'm still I guess on the other side, Bart, kind of what you're talking about with Clemson, I have worries on their offensive their offensive side of the ball. Where like Calzada, the guy that beat Alabama, he transferred and he wasn't even really that good last year. And then King, uh, Haynes King, when he got injured like really early in the season, they did not look good in the early part of the season on offense. Like they were, they like barely put up any points against like Colorado, I think it was. They have a transfer coming in from LSU, but I, I don't know. I, I guess it's one of those things where I need to see some like really good quarterback play before I can say that like you can run through the SEC West when you're going to be going against Bryce Young, um, for example. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. And whoever Brian Kelly is going to start. I don't know if they've named a starter yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> was it Jaden Daniels, maybe? I don't know. I was about to say that know. Buckner got yeah. named the starter, and then I remembered Brian Kelly isn't the Notre Dame coach. <laughs> <laughs> Things have changed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, we got Michigan at number seven. Bart, overrated, underrated. I think it's eight, actually, but it's same oh, difference. Is it? It's overrated in my mind. Slightly, <laughs> slightly, but overrated. Um, and like, I remember having thoughts about why they might be the top, the top 10 team that's most likely to regress in a couple episodes back. We had the same conversation. I think all the reasons are still valid. Aiden Hutchinson is going to be impossible to replace. David Ojabo also is gone. Dax Hill is gone. Uh, Hassan Haskins is gone. So they lost a lot of talent. And uh, I, I, like, some people are saying that this could be Harbaugh's best offense ever. But the downside is now that their defense, I think, is going to be significantly worse. So I, I just have some question marks here. They also, like Clemson, lost their offensive coordinator and their defensive mm. coordinator this offseason. I think Jim Harbaugh's like little whoop-de-whoop where he almost left and went to the NFL is mm. probably going to not help and cause some internal strife. Yeah. 
And then if you look at their schedule as well, like OSU is probably a guaranteed loss. I mean, okay, maybe not guaranteed, but a likely loss. They've also got Penn State. They got um, who else do they got? Iowa, Michigan State. So like th- they could be a team that has three losses this season, maybe even four. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I think eight is a little bit too high for me. I I would like the like ten low teens range. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Aiden? I have them as rated. I think that Michigan they had their moment last year, and even despite the lackluster playoff performance and the whole uh, Harbaugh drama, I think they do have momentum coming into this year. And yes, they did lose some talent, especially on defense. But I think they have enough pieces in place and their offense looks good enough that they can run it back to at least some extent. They're still pretty clearly to me the second best team in the Big Ten, at least going into the season. So I feel like that warrants them to some degree number eight spot or at least a top ten spot. And I don't really see a great reason at the moment for Michigan being behind, for example, Notre Dame. (laughs) Like, I, I think it's... I think it's reasonable for them to be where they are, given what we know, at least at the moment. People are saying it's literally just pollsters <laughs> trying to hype up the Ohio State Notre Dame game. That's true. Possible. That is <laughs> that is very possible. <laughs> we'll lose and drop out of the rankings, but um. <laughs> okay. Now we're gonna we're gonna give the Pac-10 some love. A true Pac-10 team, Oregon at number eleven. Jared, overrated, underrated. I think overrated. Um, they might be one of the best Pac-12 teams, but there's just a lot of question marks. Like, they're probably going to have a new quarterback with Bo Nix. He's also competing with a five-star guy, Ty, uh, Ty Johnson, I want to say it is, that I'd never heard of. But um, he's also competing there, but I feel like it's going to be Bo Nix. He's with his offensive coordinator, one of his old offensive coordinators. And then Dan Lanning is probably going to be a good coach, but yeah, he's going to be gone in three years, so I'm not going to, like get too attached to them, him as being a good Pac-10 name or anything. Um, and, yeah, I just I just don't see it. Like, they lost Travis Dye to uh, USC, who we're going to talk about later. Like, And then, obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau to the draft. So they're, they, like, lost a decent amount of talent, and there's just so many question marks that I don't think I can put them up this high. They're probably, like, the third best team yep. in the Pac-12. Pac-10. <laughs> Pac-12. <laughs> I don't even know what to call Bart, it. I guess it's think? Pac-12. Still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still Pac, yeah, for the moment. <laughs> Bart, what do you think? Well, Jared definitely knows more about this team than I do, but I, I'm going to say correctly rated, actually, maybe even slightly underrated. One thing I want to say before I read off of my notes, Jared, I think it's very funny. And listeners, you know what I'm going to say. Jared used having a five-star backup quarterback as a plus for Clemson, but for Oregon, <laughs> for some reason, it's a downside. Wait just a second. <laughs> I, I, anyway, it's fine. No, that's I, true. I, that's true. Very inconsistent, but <laughs> I, I, it's Dabo though. He's Objection. got a defensive yeah. coordinator. He's, Oregon's a defensive coordinator coach. Right. Dabo's a freaking. He's a wide receiver guy. Well, speaking of speaking of Dan Lanning being defensive minded, Oregon's clear weakness last year was their defense. They were, I think, it was 60th in defensive SP plus. Don't ask me to explain what that is because I don't totally know. But the point is. People, are, people seem to be very high on how he can turn this team around, and I don't disagree because, like, that's his forte. They have defensive talent. On the topic of talent, Jared, one thing I saw, and I don't know the exact source on this, but apparently Oregon is sixth in star talent or, like, recruiting star talent for their projected starters. 
which is pretty interesting. Like sixth in the whole country. So they definitely, I think they do have talent. It's definitely just a question of can Dan Lanning come in and keep the offense going with Bo Nix, like you said, while also turning the defense around. Because like, let's face it, Oregon recently hasn't been known for their defense. So that's a bit of a culture yeah. shift. But I, yeah. I don't hate 11 for them, personally. Okay. I mean, they're going to lose their very first game against... They're probably going to get smacked, yeah. I think, in their first game against Georgia. Yeah. But <laughs> give them time after that. We'll see. For sure. That's what people said about the Ohio State game last year, right? Yeah, but this is Georgia. I don't know. <laughs> that's fair. Okay, that's fair. And it's in Atlanta. It, or no, well, last year yeah. it was in Columbus, though. So yeah. that's a good point. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, USC... Another, we're staying in the Pac-12 at number 14. <laughs> Temporary Pac-12. Jared, overrated or underrated at 14? I honestly really don't know. I'm going to say overrated, though, just because I don't want USC to be better than Notre Dame in Lincoln Riley's first year. Um, like, only slightly. Like, maybe Lincoln Riley pulls off, like, what Urban Meyer did at OSU, for example, where, like, I think in his first year, Urban Meyer went undefeated, right? <laughs> maybe he does something crazy like that, but... Um, He's got Caleb Williams. Yeah. Like he's got the Oregon transfer, Travis Dye. So they're definitely gonna have some talent. But USC just kind of feels like one of those teams that is not fundamentally sound. And I'm not sure if Lincoln Riley mm-hmm. is gonna be able to turn that around in one year. And they just kind of lose those games to those like 10, 10 p.m. Eastern games to Washington State, Oregon State. You know what I mean? I feel like they're just due. Like they're probably gonna. I think they're gonna lose another game, for example. And I they're probably due for like one or two fluky Pac-12, Pac-10 losses. So. They're playing Utah as well. Yeah. Like, that's probably yeah. a loss. Yeah. Um, so I'm only going to say slightly overrated, and he just Lincoln Riley just needs, like, a little bit more time probably before yeah. they become, like, a top-five powerhouse, which I feel like <laughs> is inevitable that they're going to become yeah. that, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, I agree. But I also have them as overrated. They did go 4-8 and eight last year. Yes, they have Caleb Williams, as you mentioned. They've gotten some good transfers. Jordan Addison from Pitt is a big big pickup but I feel like USC's issue wasn't really offense to start with they led the Pac-12 in yards last year it was defense they gave up the second most points per game in the Pac-12 they do have a new defensive coordinator but you can't expect things to be turned around that quickly especially considering their recruiting class or their recent recruiting classes have been pretty terrible at least you know in the pre-Lincoln Riley era so I don't think the transfers can make up for that so they'll definitely be better than last year and significantly so, but number 14, I think, is too high. And closing us out with Michigan State at number 15, I'm going to start. I'm going to say another overrated team. I want them to be good this year. I'm just having a hard time believing it. I think last year was a bit of a flash in the pan. They had one of the worst pass defenses in college football. They were terrible letting opponents convert on third down. So I feel like they got a lot of mileage off of close games, including some really exciting ones like the Wild Michigan win. But given the fact that Kenneth Walker III is gone and just probability in general, I don't think they're going to reach the highs of last year. With that said, their schedule isn't terrible besides the inevitable Michigan-Ohio State games. There's no one all that scary besides Penn State or so, so they'll still probably be over 500. And maybe they they built up a brand last year, which will help them hopefully in, in coming years, but I don't expect them to be really competing with Ohio State or even Michigan. Bart, what do you think? I I agree. You, you, you took the words out of my mouth. The last mm-hmm. year I also thought was like a bit of a fluke, 
and they're going to regress to the mean this year. Odds makers have them yeah. at seven and a half wins, which yeah. is like if, if they're around there, then they're not even going to be in the top twenty-five, right? And they went eleven and two last yeah. year. Like, and it's it's yeah. strange because they haven't like they lost Kenneth Walker, like you mentioned, Aiden. Yeah. But they haven't like they only had four guys yeah. go in the draft. So it seems like they didn't lose too much talent, but yet it also seems like because they overperformed now, it's kind of like they're doomed to be worse. So, yeah, I, I agree that they're going to have some a couple tough games on the schedule, but nothing crazy. So we'll see. I mean, it, Mel Tucker will be one of the yeah. elite coaches in my mind if he can pull off another like overperforming season because then it's yeah. evidently not overperformance. But, yeah, <laughs> I think for now, I think 15 for them is, is a little bit too high. Yeah. Prove us wrong, Michigan State. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for our episode or first episode of the week. Um, as always, holler at us on social media. Let us know how much you miss Lucas and Wyatt's dulcet tones. <laughs> Let us know what to call it. Is it Pack 12? Is it Pack 10? Should we compromise and say Pack 11? <laughs> Who knows? Um, but yeah, you know, you know the drill. TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, hopefully, you enjoyed this episode, and we'll catch you back later this week for the next one.